This is the Cherished You Podcast. I am your host, Rama. This is an evergreen content warning. Um, This podcast talks a lot about abuse and uh, trauma and surviving from both. Uh, We talk about narcissistic abuse. So please understand that if you are not comfortable with talking about those things and your mental health openly and honestly, maybe with not uh, so much polish, uh, this may not be the space for you. Also understand that uh, this ta- this podcast also tackles uh, societal issues of racism, capitalism, um, patriarchy, misogyny, whiteness. So if any of these I um, these topics trigger you, please feel free to leave this space and um, without comment and without any vitriol. Um, and that is perfectly fine for both you and I. Thank you. Welcome back. Um, so this week, I kind of wanted to dive into um, a topic that's kind of, I think has kind of been um, overblown a bit on the internet, but at the same time, not talked about enough because just this one aspect of it. And since I um, like to talk about... Um, what I am working through, it is um, because I feel like that's the easiest way for me to um, kind of showcase how this shows up in real life without, you know, going into the privacy of any of my clients or anything like that. Um, but also, like, I, I don't believe that my experience is unique to me. If I'm going through it, that means there's somebody else going out there going through it as well. And, um, and hopefully bringing myself into it shows that I'm not, um, that you're not alone and that it's just, um, we're we're kind of all in this together. (laughs) I guess is the best way I could say it. Um, so the topic is attachment styles. And if you're in the psychology space, you've probably seen the book. It's based, um, it, the attachment styles come out of the book called Attached by um, Dr. Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. And I, um, I read the book a few years ago um, when I broke up with my, um, my last boyfriend. And I had I had heard about them before. It was just something that I didn't feel I needed to know at the time. And then when I read it, when I did finally, I had had the books for a couple of years. And then when I did end up finally reading it, um, I was trying to understand, um, you know, how I could have been in a relationship with somebody that I knew the entire time that was not going to be forever. So I didn't know why I just hung around. Um, it wasn't very much like me. And, um, you know, where the person wasn't any... I wasn't a person I respected, wasn't a person I, I valued at, at, at any point. Um, and so I was kind of really um, just confused because I didn't have any feelings. I didn't really have any reason. Um, and that kind of just stayed in this relationship for over six years. And I like, I didn't, I just didn't know why I did. And um, I, I went around to reading this book and I read it. And I initially, right off the bat, pegged myself as an anxious attachment person. And attachment styles didn't really show up on on the social media channels until I would say like three years ago is when I really started seeing it. And then it's kind of blown up since then. It was just like this exponential growth thing that happened. 
but as I kind of like worked through um, my attachment issues, um, what I actually ended up uh, coming down to, like what I actually ended up realizing was that I was less anxious and more disorganized. I have a disorganized attachment style. And yes, it is rooted. I mean, attachment styles, it sounds exactly the way you think. It's it's deeply rooted in childhood um, because that is when you are uh, primed to attach to your caregiver. And if your caregiver is not able to be present for you, then you have, um, you develop coping mechanisms that become your attachment style over time. And also, um, on the internet, there's a lot of people talking about avoid attachment. There's a lot of people talking about anxious attachment, but no one really talks about disorganized attachment in any kind of depth. And I've checked, I have gone through it, gone through the hashtags, gone through the accounts and it's not there. And I think one is because, um, I think people with true disorganized attachment styles, um, are not inclined to believe that about themselves. I think they'll do something similar to what I did. Either you peg yourself as anxious or you peg yourself as avoidant because again, it's also clear demarcations in those two things and disorganized is exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's a very, um, it's, it's a very haphazard attempt at connecting with people. And I, it took a lot of, um, introspection and like self-awareness for me to kind and honestly, a lot of humility for me to like sit down and really like go, go through instances in my relationships and be like, wait a second, I'm not anxious. I'm not avoidant. I am just flying by the seat of my pants whenever I get triggered in these relationships. By myself, if I am triggered, I know what to do. In the moment with somebody else, I do not. And that is where my disorganized attachment really comes out full force is because I will, and I've seen myself do this, I have, I, um, I become in a lot of instances, in most of the instances I become my mother, the way my mother was with me as a kid, I can actually feel her her voice and I can hear her voice and I can feel her energy when she used to, like when she did those things to me as a kid, like when I get triggered in, in, in front with someone, it is really hard for me not to kind of embody that same um, behavior that I saw growing up. Um, and even like despite all of my effort, it's still really, really hard for me, especially if I am, if, if it's like, if it ends up hitting on something that's very, very deep seated. And for me, I, it's so funny with, with, at least with me, when I show, when I, I, I think out of all my clients, I only had one other that was a true bona fide disorganized. I think, um, for the most part, all of my other clients were all um, anxious attachments, which is pretty common um, with narcissistic trauma. But I had one client, I remember, who was, a, I think, a true um, disorganized um, attachment. And there's like these little things you do when you have a disorganized attachment disorder that are inherently manipulative. I mean, if somebody else was looking at it and didn't have the context or the language that as somebody healing with trauma does, they would look at it and feel that they, they would look at it and, and think, uh, okay, this, per, this 
the person with the disorganized attachment is manipulating the other person. And that's literally what it looks like. It's kind of like when you realize that people pleasing is a form of manipulation, it just looks and talks different, you know? Um, and it's not on purpose. It's not even something you realize, like I definitely don't realize that I'm doing it in the middle of me doing it. Um, but you do say certain things to, to, if you're looking for a certain reaction, you will, you will do that. Um, if you're trying to, um, absolve yourself of any responsibility, you will find ways to do that as well. Um, but at the end of the day, all of those things, while when, like when you look, you can look at it from from without the attachment lens and be like, okay, this person is being manipulative. But you look at it through the attachment lens and you realize that what I'm doing isn't right, but what I'm trying, but like my attempt, like the, the method by which I'm going about trying to establish connection is not right. Like I, sh I, I shouldn't be saying things that are purposely going to piss somebody off. I shouldn't be doing things that are going to try to get a certain reaction because that reaction at least will no let me know that this person cares, you know, because that's my big thing is that like, you know, with the disorganized attachment, it's just like underneath it all, you're just not sure if somebody cares, especially because if they, if they don't do the things that you associate yeah, with, with, with caring. And usually that's just what, whatever you would do. You know, like I assume that if somebody doesn't react the way I would in a situation, um, this is also a very narcissistic way of looking at things. <laughs> um, again, trauma shows up in a many different ways, but I assume that the way that I show that I care, that if somebody loved me, they would show me the way that, that they care about me, the way that I show that I care about them. Problem is, I, A, don't always interpret caring the same way because just because I give some, I show caring to somebody else, somebody in a certain respect, that does not mean that that same thing done back to me, I would interpret as caring, even though they're doing the same thing. I know this part from experience, <laughs> which is really funny because they're like, I've literally had a friend be like, well, that's exactly what you did to me. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't care about that. And that's when, you know, you can use something like love languages to kind of go into that kind of deal. But also, so there's, there's that aspect to it. And then, but underneath it all is also just this, um, this belief that nobody actually ever really cares because, you know, you have parents that really, uh, you know, were, it didn't feel like they really cared when you needed them to actually be there for you and care. And the, even though you have no conscious memory of it, but that is how, you know, my brain has justified my parent, my, my parents behavior to me as a child. And as an adult now that thing stays with me and I, you know, I, and, and I've worked it out in some relationships and in other relationships, it is very, very prominent. And it's hard to really, um, explain, especially if you're like, and this is especially true if you're just, if you, if your nervous system is activated and it's hard, it is hard to access the, you know, your, your 
prefrontal cortex and be like, okay, I, I know this is not how I really feel. This is just my nervous system replaying something old. And it and happens to have been triggered in this situation. Like you can't go through all of those steps, right? You can't even get that far. You're just gonna like it's your nervous system gonna get activated. It's gonna trigger a thought, which is gonna trigger a flood of emotions, and then all of a sudden you are off and running, and there's nobody there to stop you. And you will run over people with with it, and you will you know feel the magnitude of everything without actually like you're stuck on how big everything feels rather than just feeling it and letting it diminish. Um, it's it's a horrible place to live in. And, and what I like, it, like for me, it shows up a lot with like, if, if I have a fight, I will uh, push people away, even though what I desperately in like physio phys physiologically really need is connection. And I really just need somebody to be able to hold my hand and stop me. Just give me, hold, hold me for a second, just stop me. Just, just, yeah, that's all I really need. And that will eventually, you know, you give it a couple minutes and I'll be able to click back into place. But I push so hard in that, in that desperate, in that desperate need for connection. I push people away so hard, um, that it really, um, it really does it, it like in some cases irreparable damage and in, so what I've learned over time is to just kind of walk away and kind of wait until everything's kind of passed and I can think straight again. And that also is triggering that experience in itself is triggering a little bit because it's like, Oh, I can't be around anybody. I'm not safe to be around when I'm like that. And so there is, um, that also kind of triggers a whole different cascade of things. But, um, disorganized attachment is not manipulation. I promise you. I know it looks like it. It may even sound like it. So if you're somebody who is with someone that has a disorganized attachment, or if you yourself think that you're manipulating somebody when really you're just, you're acting out in a disorganized attachment style, just, um, just understand that it's not manipulation requires consciousness. Like there has to be a conscious choice to do and say things to another person to get them to act a certain way. If you are, if you're activated, if you have an activated nervous system and your disorganized attachment comes out, you are doing things in attempt to connect with another person. It is not a healthy way of doing it. It is not a productive or, um, meaningful way of doing it, but you are still attempting to connect. And just cause it looks like this other thing, which is really not a nice thing to do to other people, doesn't mean that you're necessarily doing that. Um, so I do recommend that if you haven't read the book, do go ahead and read the book. It's called Attached um, by uh, uh, Dr. Amir Levine and I always forget the other author, Rachel Heller. Um, but the other thing also is that um, if you're somebody who's like really sure that you have like either avoidant or anxious attachment, um, but you know you've been through narcissistic trauma, particularly if you've had a narcissistic mother, I'm going to ask you to take a second and maybe check and see if you're true anxious or, or avoidant or if you have disorganized. 
And another th another point I want to make before I end this today, I'm making this one a little bit shorter, hopefully, I hope, um, is that just because you have a disorganized anxious, you know, you have a um, maladaptive attachment order doesn't mean you can't get to the adaptive one, which is called secure. Um, does not mean that you can't get to a secure attachment. It does require a lot of work, though. And um, in each relationship, that's going to go at a different pace. Um, I find it easier to securely attach to friends than I do to partners. Um, and I also... Um, it also depends on how willing the other the other party is, um, how conscious they are of attachment styles and of their own attachment style, and if they feel the need to make adjustments. So that's also like you know, it's a push pull. But I do find it easier for the most part that I have um, with my friends. I definitely have an easier time versus other relationships. So you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I do recommend you go read the book, but, um, at the same time, please don't do what the internet is doing right now, which is like making it all about attachment styles, because it's like one of those things like, you know, you read this new thing, especially in psychology and also you start seeing it everywhere. <laughs> so you will start to see everyone's attachment style really easily. Um, once you read the book, uh, but just understand that's just one part of relationships. It's one part of healing um, from trauma and, or as a, you know, it's just one part of being human. And so um, it's, it's important information, but it's not the Holy Grail. <laughs> so, um, you know, take it with what you want to take it. And if it's not something that resonates with you right now, don't worry about it. Whenever you're ready for it, it'll be here. It's not going to go anywhere. Um, this episode or the book. <laughs> so uh, don't worry about it too hard. Um, but uh, thanks for listening today. And then um, I will come back to y'all next week. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Cherished You podcast. If you could please leave me a review, um, subscribe and share. It really helps get the podcast out to those who it will help the most.